This week's podcast brought to you by Thomas Jefferson's Pop-Up Camper. We were in Washington, D.C. with the kids uh, over this past weekend and gazing at all of these incredible monuments. And at some point, in front of each one of these monuments, inevitably, one of us, usually one of the kids, would say, this thing could use to be power washed. Well, we're back in one piece from a six-day, two-city, Philadelphia and Washington, National Lampoon-style family vacation. I don't even remember the last time all six of us were in the same car. For that long? Or, or, at, or all. at all. We, we tend to not all go to the same place at the same time anymore because the, some kids are here, some are there. So first of all, to get all of us into the minivan is more difficult than it used to be because five out of the six of us are at least six feet tall. The 10-year-old is the only one who is not yet. So you have, like, I sit in the passenger seat when you drive. I can't even have the seat all the way back anymore because there's a six-footer sitting behind me in the second row. So I have to have my seat up a little. There's 36 feet of us. Yes, and then there's a six-footer behind her. Behind you, there's a non-six-footer. So you could have your... Oh, no, you also had a six-footer behind you. But I I think you did have your seat all the way back. Anyway, it's just harder to fit 36 feet 36 feet of us in a minivan yes drove to philadelphia dropped our bags went to a phillies game last thursday night phillies braves and a glorious night at citizens bank ballpark the philly fanatic was in peak form trolling the braves our son has always loved the fanatic the braves are wearing their beautiful throwback mike schmidt era um, you called them, you, you revised it, you said they're they're the color of toothpaste, then you said, no, no, they're the color of scrubs, but beautiful uniforms, and um, early in the game, the beer vendor came by, our 14-year-old was wearing a Nafisa Collier Minnesota Lynx jersey, and, and the beer vendor complimented her on the jersey, said he loves the WNBA, those ladies can play ball, not like back in the day, when when they couldn't or something like that and i said i said hey buddy and i pointed at you uh four people in on the aisle and i said she played back in the day she was a good player what are you talking about and the guy then start, saw you said oh i thought i recognized you started backpedaling heavily and then he disappeared for a few innings and then he came back. A but he was in- he was great. He knew he knew the WNBA. He, 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 was he mentioned f- uh, something about Nafisa Collier, and I said, "Yeah, she's the youngest one on the team." He said, "Oh, I thought Jewel Lloyd was the youngest one on the team." Like he knew women's hoops enough to have a conversation. I was um, I was very impressed by that. Anyway, he came back a few innings later with a foul ball that he had caught with like black scuff marks and scuff stuff on mark it. on it, and. Um, Handed it to our 10-year-old. She was thrilled. beaming. Thrilled. Beaming, yes. And for all the complaints about how long Major League Baseball games last and how, uh, you know, it's very few balls are put in play now, our kids loved it and they didn't want to leave. I insisted on leaving in the uh, eighth inning with the game out of reach for the Phillies so that they could stop by the uh, souvenir stand and we could hightail it to the car. Hightailing it is the wrong word because you're on crutches. 
so that we could make it to the car before the game let out or by the time the game let out but anyway it was it was fantastic i'm sure i'll be pilloried for having left early but um it was great even our 10 year old when we were leaving said i don't want to leave and said can we come back to another game tomorrow she all about it want to go to a mets game or red sox game she said no i want to go to a phillies game yeah it was um it was great fun. We while we were in Philadelphia, we we went to the uh, American Revolution Museum, Revolutionary War Museum. Is that what it was? I forget the official name, but yeah, it, it was, was great. It was great, and then um, the, the the that culminates with a with an almost erotic uh, presentation about George Washington's tent. They procured George Washington's tent. It's presented in this temperature controlled theater with a scrim that lifts up, and then you see the tent with sort of heavenly music and it was both interesting and slightly comical we thought and for the rest of the trip we kept hoping telling the kids and and our son keeps repeating that uh we have to go to the museum to see after seeing washington's tent george washington's tent we need to see thomas jefferson's pop-up camp (laughs) well i don't know uh if i had mentioned this but when we were on a separate car trip with the 10 year old we were driving behind a pop-up camper and I've told the kids a ton of times when I was a kid and we would go on vacation every summer we'd go to Cape Cod and we'd stay in a pop-up camper and when I we were driving behind the pop-up camper and I pointed out pointed it out to our 10 year old I said see there's a pop-up camper and she said is that how you sleep in it or does it get bigger (laughs) I had to laugh and showed her a video of no a pop-up camper actually gets bigger you don't like crawl into a cave-like camper but Philadelphia is great. Love that city, the old city of Philadelphia, the cobblestones and the Revolutionary War era taverns and stuff. I love that place. So cool. And we, we went on a double-decker bus tour um, that had a person guiding us and giving us tidbits well, of all these things we went by. Most of the tidbits were duck because <laughs> when you're in the top of the open open air double-decker, you're, you're being strafed by tree branches and power lines yeah you had to duck to avoid power lines i mean Um, you had to duck below the roof line to avoid them but um our our tour guide she was phenomenal although i wondered while we were going on the the tour and after how much of the information she was telling us was actually true well you Uh, don't really care but when you you recognize something as patently absurd then you you do question the rest of it like when we drove by benjamin franklin's grave and there was a lot of people at benjamin franklin's grave she said you know he has uh, uttered the famous quote a penny saved is a penny earned so people are constantly throwing pennies onto his grave and it gets every year from the pennies thrown on the grave, it's about $10,000 a year. First of all, who has pennies in their pocket anymore? And could you possibly, could one grave possibly amass $10,000 worth of pennies year my, after year? My favorite was when we drove by the Philadelphia Art Museum, the Rocky Steps, the 72 steps that Rocky ran up, and she said that he only ran up 11 of them and used the stunt double to run up the rest of them. And I thought, Really? He took a thousand punches in the ring every day. They had a low budget for that first movie when he was an unknown. They used all of his family members, Frank Stallone, singing on the corner, his dad ringing the bell, his own dog, Butkus, uh, playing the dog, Butkus, in the movie. But they used the stunt double to run up the fairly innocuous, easy-to-run-up steps. 
For what reason? Also, he was filmed by Steadicam running up the steps the entire way, very famously, and then circling him at the top of the steps. Anyway, before we left Philadelphia, we circled. But, but how many people now leave Philadelphia after being on the tour with this particular guy thinking that that's accurate? Well, z- if anybody Probably had watched most. Rocky, zero, zero of them. But, but, but anyway, people, uh, you know, I, I enjoy the sort of... Uh, propagating of the urban legends and stuff that uh, on those tours um but we were on the double deck bus tour primarily because you were on crutches and uh couldn't really get around town it was a great way to see I it i was really proud of how much how much i got around town on crutches i, d- I still did at least my ten thousand steps every day on crutches that was pretty good it was impressive and i said to you i said I'm not going to complain. I'm going to make it through every day without complaining about the fact that I'm on crutches and I think I succeeded. Right? You you definitely succeeded. Okay. Um, and uh, so just before we left Philadelphia, driving, of course, you got behind the wheel, I think the only stint of the trip, and drove from the hotel to the traffic circle, the very busy, crazy traffic circle that the Philadelphia Art Museum is on, and let our son and myself out of the car. We negotiated that traffic circle, got to the steps of the art museum. First, we waited in line at the Rocky statue. There's a Mm -hmm. short line there to have a picture taken. And then we ran the Rocky steps. I filmed our son while while, uh, Bill Conti's Gonna Fly Now was playing in my head the whole time. And we ran back down the steps, got in the car, and... and, uh, While you were running the steps, there's really nowhere to park. So the girls and I just... I think we did maybe four or five laps of the traffic circle waiting for the appropriate time where you guys could jump back in the car. We then drove on to Washington, D.C. and had a great time there. It wasn't just a good time. Our kids had a charmed experience in Washington, D.C. We were there, what, three nights? And you couldn't, like, you couldn't have gotten the experience that they got, even if you had tried to, like things that just happened that we didn't know. For example, we're staying not too far from the White House and checked into the hotel. Okay, no big deal. That evening, left the hotel to go get dinner or something. I don't remember. And when we came back, we now had to go through security at hotel. At the hotel. Secret service men outside the hotel barked at us. You can't go in that door. You can't go in that door. You have to go in that third door. Yes. So we now had to go through a metal detector. There were, it was swarmed the the hotel lobby was full of secret service with their big vests on that say secret service the iraqi flags had been hoisted in front of the hotel and and i asked one of the secret service guys as we're going through i said can you tell me why you're here and he said a protectee is staying here and i went through the metal detector and i said ah i like the word protectee so a protectee is staying here. So we looked at the P- President Biden's schedule for that day and the next day. And the next day, the prime he was meeting with the prime minister. Is it Iraq or Iraq? Because I was saying Iraq, and then on the news they were saying Iraq. So well, uh, anyway. Either way, a moving van, a, a truck pulled up while I was out there and unloaded a, a moving truck full of luggage. I mean, this guy was rolling dozens of people deep. 
And and one time we got on the elevator with the kids and a bellman got on with a cart that was full of water and Diet Coke, not caffeine-free Coke, not regular Coke, not Coke Zero, Diet Coke and water. I said, is there, you know, is there a wedding today? He said, no, there's been three weddings this weekend, but this is for the contingent. I think he meant the contingent staying with the prime minister of Iraq. We also got on the elevator and... Like a guy in a suit would get on with us, not press any button. We'd get off at, he, yeah. on our floor, and then he would get off and walk down the hall with us, and then he would key into a random room across from ours, and then he would walk back to the elevator. I mean, this it was it was really cool. I kept saying to the kids, I'm like, it's a little bit of a hassle, I suppose, every time we come into the hotel to go through security, but how cool is it that the, that our hotel is full of Secret Service and that the prime minister of... Iraq is staying here. Like, you don't normally get that experience. Well, no, and, and it was a very different experience. When, when I was walking with you, the Secret Service guy would be, hey, Rebecca, how's it going? What what brings you to Washington? When I, when I would go in by myself, I would be hogtied, tasered, and uh, <laughs> and frisked. And then one, one day after we had gone to one of the, um, we'd gone to one of the museums, we came back, the, the girls needed to power down, but our son, all he's never powering down. He's always on full go. He wanted to do all of the statues. And he had um, all, all, all the monuments, I'm sorry, along um, the National Mall. And, and he and uh, I had done this. And around the Tidal Basin. There, that goes he on and I had done this years ago. He had come with me one time when I was um, calling a Washington Mystics game. And we were only there two or three days. And every morning he would get up early with me and he'd want to walk down and, do the, and walk and see the monuments. So anyway, one day I'm back at the hotel one afternoon after we had done a museum in the morning, but you and our son are out, you're doing the mall, you're doing all of the monuments. And while you're doing the monuments, you notice Secret Service are near the Tidal Basin. Well, on the Tidal Basin, there's a little bridge that goes over that that connects um, the bit of the Tidal Basin where the FDR and MLK and George, the, the MLK and FDR memorials are to uh, you go over a little inlet to where the Jefferson Memorial is. And on the bridge over that inlet, there were three, three or four Secret Service agents with guns and uh, three Secret Service vans. And while we were passing them, um, a Marine One helicopter came around the Washington Monument over the mall. And you texted me and said, I think Marine One just came by. And I looked again at the president's schedule and he was coming back. It was Sunday um, afternoon. And yes, that was right when he was scheduled to come back from um, Delaware. From Delaware. So. But you go ahead. Oh, I'm just going to skip to the next thing that you couldn't plan for, for your kid's trip to Washington, D.C. One day we're again, I think it was a different day. It may have been that later that evening. We're in the hotel. We hear sirens. We look out the window, and um, we see poli- uh, police cars go by, um, motorcycles go by, a bunch of black SUVs, and then an ambulance. And you realize that's the president's motor motorcade. Our kids also see the president's motorcade go down the street out the window of the hotel. So, Secret Service agents in the hotel, pres- the Prime Minister of Iraq. You and our son see Marine One, and then we see the president's motorcade out the window. I mean, incredible. We're there for three nights. We, meanwhile, we see all of this. Meanwhile, we're, we're there in, uh, in uh, T-shirts, shorts, sunscreen, tourist accoutrement. Every time we, we come to the metal detector, we're pouring out 
maps and and spy uh, museum water bottles and cards tickets and and, and 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 I got on the elevator first day we were there a reeking of two days in the car uh, reeking of of two days on a, a double decker bus tour bus and then in the car from Philadelphia and a couple got on in a tuxedo and like a ball gown. And I noticed they got as far over in, in the elevator as they possibly could. And I said, I'm sorry, we just got out of a, a minivan from Philadelphia. We, we're probably not going to the same event. And the guy said, uh, well, you would certainly stand out if, if you are, if you're going to our event. Um, so, yeah, we were definitely the interlopers in this place. But you said we went to a museum that day. The museum we went to was the Museum of American History at the Smithsonian. And as we were walking in, a guy holding the door said, Rebecca, you won't remember me, but I competed against you on Pros versus Joes, yeah. the reality show where average schmoes participate against professional athletes. It's been back in like November of 2005, I think. Something like that. Yeah, a long time ago. And you said, you're right, I don't remember you, but the guy, it definitely was the guy because he remembered all the details of the, of the shoot. And then when we toured the Smithsonian, and the Smithsonian American Museum, History Museum, America's Attic, is such a cool place. And the kids loved it. They loved it. We started on the floor where you enter, which I believe is the second floor, the mm -hmm. first floor. We went up to the, the, the second floor, the above, you know, the floor above the ground floor. And then we finished in below ground or the basement, whatever you want to call it. And after we'd seen all, you know, Lincoln's top hat and Dorothy's slippers and Fozzie Bear and all of these great... Uh, trains and airplanes and historic uh, artifacts from presidents, uh, Taft's top coat or whatever it was. The kids George Washington's, the place he kept his documents. Fascinated like, by yeah. all that stuff. Jefferson's pop-up camper. Um, we went downstairs in our third hour, and there they have a an exhibit on uh, girlhood. And right there at the entrance to it, in a glass case, was... Your number 13, 1996 Olympic jersey and shorts, and a big picture of you and some quotes and information about Title IX and whatnot. And uh, I think you saw it first when we got down the stairs. And it's, as soon as you came down the escalator, it was like right there at the entrance of that particular So the kids exhibit. had just, they just, you know, seen and kind of contextualized all this American history stuff from different eras and, you know, everything from early iPods to powdered wigs from the from the Revolutionary War era. And suddenly there is mom in her Olympic uniform uh, in a glass cube under a spotlight. And, and our oldest daughter just said, well, that's weird. And they were horrified. They were they, they were, were horrified. Like, they were uh, they certainly weren't thrilled. No, they weren't thrilled. They, they were horrified when you wanted to take a picture of them next to it. Either side, but and there were other museum goers standing there, you know, fogging the glass like they do at every other exhibit, and and so um, I think that was the weird thing for them was watching other people watching, looking in the f little aquarium. I think at, the last time I was at that the American History Museum was when I donated the uniform to them, which was before we had kids it was a long time ago and it, i remember it, it was part of a display years and years and years ago well i mean 99 percent of the stuff that they have that is not on display at any given time i think lincoln's top hat is always on display dorothy's slippers i think always are but like when i was a kid it was fonzie's leather jacket and archie bunker's 
armchair and stuff like that. But, you know, that stuff rotates in and out. And somebody on, on Twitter um, who I know had sent me a picture of like the uniform um, months ago, but I didn't realize it was part of a current display. So um, anyway, I thought it was really cool that it was there. It was very cool. I, I, maybe in hindsight, the kids will think it was really cool. But in the moment, they they definitely did think just that it was weird. And then we got you on another double-decker bus of DC. We, um, you, you used your own locomotion to get around uh, as well. But uh, that Monday night, when you were back at the hotel with our youngest, the rest of us, the other four of us, our three older kids and I, went out. We wanted to go down to the U.S. Capitol. We hadn't been to the U.S. Capitol yet. And so we, they have these electric scooters that you can rent, and um, we hadn't done that, and I didn't really want to do that. The kids wanted to. I downloaded five different apps for five different compu- uh, scooter companies until we found one one scooter that had enough power to uh, to use and and the kids shared that one as we went down towards the capital as we the, the skies were starting to gather clouds but when we got down to the capital farthest we could be from the hotel uh, the skies just opened up and it started raining torrentially it went from like two drops on my bald head to torrential biblical Old Testament downpour within five seconds. So a jogger jogging by said, are you looking for shelter? And I said, yes. And now, now lightning is coming, is, is popping. And he said, Native American Museum right there, just jump over the wall. So then we went, we went sprinting to our right to the Native American Museum. There's a little overhang that we got under. Um, I sent you video. The storm was just insane. Lightning everywhere. Uh, we had abandoned the scooter there on the sidewalk until until it let up enough that we said, okay, uh, I don't see, I haven't seen any lightning for a while and the rain is half as intense as it was. Let's start heading back to the hotel. So we, we got back to the mall. We made it to the center of the mall and it started raining torrentially again. And now the lightning simultaneous with the thunder was all around us. I mean, lightning was striking the mall all around us, striking trees. It was, it was, terrifying yeah the, the, I, I was back at the hotel with our youngest and we she, she's just looking out the window saying mom look at this rain and then the thunder and lightning we could see it from there and she was saying you know are they stuck in this are, are they scared are they okay like what is going on i didn't know whether to lie flat because uh, we are completely exposed and and the national mall it's it's wide open and it is quite a haul to either side of the st- streets on either side of it to get up the steps of a museum and under some kind of an overhang. Uh, there's no shelters of any kind out there. So we, I just told the kids, let's sprint that way. And we ran to what turned out to be the National, uh, National Art Gallery. And, uh, but as we were going, my son was, our son was on a scooter and he's booking across the mall the rest of us are sprinting, and bang, there's lightning everywhere. I mean, you can't feel more helpless. And he abandons the scooter as lightning strikes a tree and splits it in half. I've got a picture of it. Abandons the scooter on the sidewalk. We run up the steps of this. There's about 40 people huddled under the overhang at the top of these steps. It's a massive two-story door that's, of course, you can't get in. It's locked. The museum's closed. And as we're at the top of the steps there, panting, sweating, grateful to be undercover, some random dude on the sidewalk comes up and 
it's still raining torrentially and lightning, mind you, picks up the scooter off the sidewalk and, and zips away at it. The scooter that, that I am paying 39 cents a minute for. And uh, and he zips away, and, and I can't stop the ride. I can't stop the ride on my app because you have to send a picture of the scooter being parked in an appropriate place. to end the, So our son took my phone and, and put the scooter on beginner mode, meaning that the guy can only go about half the speed that it maxes out at. But anyway, that was that was eventually that rain stopped and we we walked back to the hotel. But it was it was it was uh, it was it was terrifying there for a while out in the center of the mall, surrounded by lightning. It was bananas. They should have some kind of a shelter out there. I know, and all the, the cool things I've talked about that happened while we were in D.C. That's probably the thing that will the kids whenever they talk about the the family vacation to Philly and D.C. That'll be the first thing they talk about. Do you remember when we almost got? killed on the national mall sprinting or riding a metal scooter as through a happening. lightning storm as was happening i was just thinking well, i wasn't riding a metal scooter he, it was the fastest way to get out of the lightning. right um i thought of you on your aluminum crutches had you been out there um you would have made me stand with my crutch in the air to well, uh, save the children <laughs> it stood as a lightning rod while while you guys booked it to to shelter but um our daughter's like why don't you order an uber while we were standing uh, order an uber First of all, it's like a 25. How would we get it without standing in the lightning? What do you, I mean, you know, the whole point is to be out of, out from the lightning. And then when, the, when that stops and the rain stops, we won't need it anymore. But um, it was, it was, it was nuts and, and a helpless feeling that, um, you know, and, and of course there were a handful of people who were still jogging, one group of immortal, you know, 20-year-olds playing soccer, and I don't know that they ever stopped playing soccer in the middle of that, but um, but anyway, that was uh, that was our D.C. storm. The, the, then you guys came back, got dried off, went to bed. Next day, we go, going to get the car and make the trip all the way back. On the way down, we stop halfway through-ish in Philadelphia, but no, we're going to make the six-hour drive back from D.C. to Connecticut. So we pack up all our bags, say goodbye to our friends in the Secret Service. I put my wet shoes back on from the night before. Put your wet shoes back on. We go check out of the hotel, go to get our car. And, uh, oh, the, 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 yeah, the car, the, uh, the, the valet is the supposed valet. to bring the car down. You, you can only valet it. It's in a parking garage in, in downtown D.C. He uh, comes back, talks to one comes of his co-workers, goes back up, comes back down and says, uh, the car won't start. So I give him the second set of keys, hoping maybe it's the fob in the, the keychain fob, needed a new battery or something. He goes up, comes back, the, the car won't start. So immediately, I think both of us start thinking in our brain, okay. I knew the scenario that was going to play if out. Our, if you our car the, is dead. You and the kids were going to be flying back. Without question. Out of Reagan National. I was going to be without staying question. at the... Uh, the Motel 6 until the car got fixed. Yes. that Well, that was the same scenario I had going through my brain as well. What's the next flight from was. D.C. back to Hartford? But instead, they jumped the car. Um, the battery had died. And, and they made it seem like somehow it was our fault that the battery died of instead of they, they left they, something they on when they parked the car, the car. When we checked in. And, but you know, it's a push-button start. When you push the button one more time after you stop it, it yeah. leaves the air conditioning on or, or the radio or whatever. So fortunately, they were able to get it to start. But then 
for much of our drive, I'm thinking, all right, well, the first time we stop the car, whether it's to get gas or somebody to use the bathroom, are we going to be able to start the so car that, again? So that's why when the kids asked if we could stop and get something to eat for our quasi breakfast, you said, yeah, we'll stop in five or 10 minutes. And then an hour and a half later, we still hadn't, you still hadn't given me permission to stop. Well, there, it was, I was trying to find a place that was going to be easy to like on and off and there just wasn't an easy on and off. So eventually, eventually when I give us the okay to stop, we stop, turn the car off, immediately see if it'll turn back on. It does. We go inside, and the food place had stopped serving breakfast. All the kids wanted was breakfast. They were hungry. They said, oh, we stopped serving at 10.30 or whatever at this point. It was The food place 11. was a Panera somewhere in Maryland, right? Yes, yeah. But the kids really wanted to do, or at least our oldest really wanted to stop at a Wawa, which we eventually did in southern New Jersey. We stopped at a Wawa for gas, and um, but she didn't. She didn't dine from the Wawa food counter. Sadly, the, when we were checking out at the Wawa, because we were also very excited, by the way, that uh, that you can't pump your own gas in, in New Jersey. Right. right. So they had to pump service. the gas, and then when we uh, making idle chit chat as I'm checking out, the kids getting drinks and snacks, and the guy says, you know what brings you here today and I said oh we're on our drive home to Connecticut oh no we're on our drive home we got four hours left and he said you're going to Connecticut well yes we are going to Connecticut are you taking the Tappan Z or the GWB I said we're taking the GWB and his response was what was it don't dilly dally don't dilly don't dilly dally he looked at his first he looked at his watch and he said ah don't dilly dally he was spot on because if you get to the GWB by 3 p.m. ish you're probably okay. 3.15, you might be in big trouble. And uh, we got there at 3, and we were fine. We were fine. So anyway, we had, we are gone, what did we say, five nights? It wasn't a long five trip. Nights. No, but we packed but it in. What, it was yeah, a voyage had, of discovery. It was, um, it was a great, great family vacation and in incredibly, the minivan. Incredibly, when we were on the New Jersey Turnpike for an hour or an hour and a half, it wasn't until... We approached the GWB that I we even turned on the radio in the car. We had had the kids were had their own de- left literally to their own devices, and I turned on the radio and I don't remember what song came on, but the second song that came on when we were on the New Jersey Turnpike on the bridge on Sirius XM was America Simon and Garfunkel counting the cars on the New Jersey Turnpike. They've all come to look for America. I mean, it was it was uh, life seldom works like that, but it was it was a soundtrack uh, summoned from XM. It was a great trip, and I think one thing you enjoyed most on the trip was uh, so we uh, there were six of us. We needed two hotel rooms. Um, you roomed with the two younger kids. I roomed with the two older kids, and you and our youngest every night would snuggle into bed and watch the Olympics. It and was the kids were all all of the kids were into the Olympics. It was a great way to cap off these busy days um, by passing out as the Olympics were on TV. It was how we ended the day and how we started the day cuz she would wake up uh, as soon as she woke up at, you know, 8 a.m. or whatever, she'd put on the television to see what Olympics are on. We don't normally put the TV on first thing in the morning, but um, which was kind of cool because often the first thing of the day on NBC was the women's 3x3. Three on three basketball. You call it 3x3. That's, that's what, what they, they call it. it. That's 3X3. fine. They can call it, they can call it Blork from Blurg. I don't I know. have to call when, it that. I, I call at, it what it actually is. Three on three when basketball. When we were at the um, all-star game, 
Holly was the first one to tell us, like, it's officially called 3x3. And that was my response, too. And I think Ryan's was like, what? No, it's three on three. Yes, it's officially called 3x3. So anyway, we would turn on the three on three. And um, so got to see a lot of those games, which was fun. And then in the evening, in prime time, um, our daughter, the thing she most looked forward to was gymnastics. So we got to watch gymnastics. We got to watch swimming or whatever else, because we didn't generally veer from NBC. We didn't go to USA or um, any of the other channels. So, um, but it was fun. Like she, she's totally into it. And uh, as I think, you know, many people are. <laughs> well, um we can talk more about the Olympics next week because there will be more Olympics to talk about. Yes. Um, but uh, shall we get to viewer mail? Let's get to viewer mail. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Gail writes, uh, sends an email that just says, the header is pairs of stuffs, okay? Mm-hmm. And in fact, when we packed for this trip, um, the girls were eager to pack the night before or even days before. Our son hadn't packed the morning of our departure. And I said, you know, are you going to pack? Do you need help packing? He said, no, I'll pack. He said, how many days are we gone? I said, five. He said, so I need five pairs of stuff. I said, exactly. I need five pairs of stuff. So, so Gail sends an email that says pairs of stuffs. And, and the entire body of the email is, I have never felt more seen. <laughs> Many thanks, Gail. So maybe uh, maybe our son is not alone in packing pairs of stuff. Or maybe she does all of the pre-packing and everything to get ready for a vacation. And somebody else in her house only packs pairs of stuff. And so she was relating to my experience with trips. Maybe. Perhaps. Perhaps. Uh the next email is called Napping, and it comes from uh, from Lori. Attaches a picture of Stone Curtis at a family get-together. He likes to nap after the meal. You will see that there are balloons tied to each of his shoes. Helium balloons, <laughs> Rebecca. This happened while the rest of the family was playing games. He was in a deep sleep and had no idea that balloons were being tied to his shoes. Thanks, uh, Lori. And there, in fact, is Stone Curtis. There's a dog uh, sleeping next to him, and, uh, and it looks like he looks like... Uh, a much younger version of the old man in Up who could be (laughs) borne aloft by the balloons, festive ones, purple and orange. That's some good eats at a party if uh, if it puts you into that kind of a slumber. I I love it. uh, I'd happily uh, be borne away by those balloons if I were allowed to sleep. Uh, Oh, greetings from the Tokyo Olympics. Oh, of course, Michael. Our our correspondent in... uh, in Higashi Kitazawa, right? Yes. Dear Stephen Rebecca, by way of Higashi Kitazawa, greetings from the Tokyo Olympics. Well, sort of. As the international news doth attest, things are here are currently in quite a bit of a quandried quagmire. It is fair to say that if the Olympics were handing out gold medals for messy and complicated Olympics, the IOC would stand atop the medal platform bedecked in gold. That being said, it will be interesting to see how things here unfold over the coming weeks. Of course, should you need or want any Olympic swag, just let us know. Here is a bit of medicinal lightheartedness about last week's podcast. Enjoy. And uh, and here's Michael's uh, latest uh, verse. Would you like to hear about it? I would. Poor sick Steve found time for a nap, for which he was given a figurative slap. And Rebecca is hobbled by a partially torn calf 
but the ball and chain banter still musters an echelonian laugh. I hope you both are feeling better. I remain Michael. Michael, thank you very much. Uh, uh, bonus points, I think, for getting echelonian, echelonian yes. into the uh, into this week's verse. Uh, I wonder how the Olympics are for the. I know how they are. I mean, you have an idea how they are for the athletes. I know how they are for the media because of all the sports writer colleagues I follow on social media who are stuck on buses and writing nine stories a day from the media center or from their venues. Um, But I wonder how it is for the people of Tokyo or the people of Higashi Kitazawa, for that matter, because something like 80% of of, uh, Japanese people were opposed to hosting the Olympics. Mm. By the way, there there was another uh, email from... uh, Lori Tufshist Curtis, who said, uh, Rebecca, specific question for you. Has anyone told you that Monica Abbott, a U.S. Olympic softball player, and you look alike? Stone and I think you could be sisters. You're both tall, have a similar profile and mannerisms. Uh, Rebecca, have you heard that? I have not heard that. I think they also sent us that on Twitter. Um, I don't, I'm looking at pictures of her right now, which of course don't show her mannerisms. She went to Tennessee though, so that... That'd be interesting if you had two athletic sisters. One went to Tennessee and the other to Yukon. I don't know that that's allowed. That is interesting. Um, oh, George, our monocle dealer in Columbus writes, Rebecca and Steve, last week's Lazy River discussion prompts me to ask your opinion of the Lazy River water feature in Riders Field, Frisco, Texas, formerly known as Dr. Be- Dr. Pepper Ballpark. It's the home of the Rangers AA affiliate Frisco Rough Riders and features a 174-foot lazy river just beyond the right field fence. Originally, the park featured a swimming pool in this location, but it was converted to a lazy river in 2016. Up to 200 spectators can watch the game from the river while also enjoying concessions, at one time including a two-and-a-half-hour deal for all-you-can-eat hot dogs, chips, and peanuts. See photo, and there is indeed a photo attached. One. How and- often did people vomit in the lazy river? That's your question? Oh, all you can eat hot dogs and other concessions, well, uh, concessions during a ball they're, they're game, and that's going to include beer. Drinking beer, yeah. Right. I thought Oof. vomit is not what I would be worried about in the Lazy River after all that beer consumption. In, uh, yeah. Uh, one, writes uh, Dr. George, I am a fan of baseball and Lazy Rivers, but I think these are two things that are best enjoyed separately. Your thoughts? Well, I think we've gotten your thoughts, Rebecca. Well, yeah. Definitely. Uh, two, this is a question probably best answered by your resident water park designer, but are there industry standards for what constitutes a lazy river? Given the world's longest lazy river is one mile in length, 174 feet seems modest to be called a river. Should there be a lesser designation for this type of feature, such as a calming creek or a serenity stream? That is interesting. Like, what if it what, could... Well, just In this particular case, George's daughter suggests ballpark bog. Well, and... and yeah, like does it have to go a certain speed to be considered a lazy river? Like if it starts well, going too fast, is this. it this, no longer this, a lazy this river? This is hardly a lazy river to me. This looks like a, a uh, an aqua cul-de-sac, does it not? Yeah. That's a little loop. Yeah. It's so lazy that nobody is moving in it at all, I believe. It looks like they converted from a swimming pool into a lazy river just simply by filling in the middle of it. Am I wrong? Hey, here I am bad-mouthing. The quality of the lazy river. If only we had somebody to ask. At this, but 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 it's it's in it's in a minor league baseball park. I should have prefaced this by saying how cool is that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in it, but uh, I understand. I Maybe understand our that our lazy river water park designer designed that particular one. Maybe. 
Perhaps. A Bob, our simplest of palindromes in Huntersville, North Carolina, writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, on last week's viewer mail, there was a brief mention of a nudist colony on Cape Cod. That reminded me of a report many years ago from Paul Harvey. He said there were complaints about a hole in the fence at a nudist colony, so the police said they would look into it. <laughs> it's right up your alley. That's, that's all you got. That's all I got. Once again, Rebecca, there were complaints about a hole in the fence at a nudist colony, so the police said they would look into it. I'm Paul Harvey, and that's now you know the rest of the story. Or he would sign off with, I'm Paul Harvey. Good day. Do you remember Paul Harvey? I do. Okay, good. Finally, Dr. Gary Siegel. Hello, Dr. Siegel. We haven't really given him the full intro in, well, in recent I'm weeks, have we? Right now, Denny's playing his walk-up well, of music. Of course, but I mean the... the, the the notorious DGS, the license to deliver. I forget what we say. But anyway, here he is. Our double OBGYN. That's it, Dr. Gary Seal. He writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, after stir-frying my thoughts in a think walk, and with kudos to viewer Julia, I'm hammering out this email just in time for the next podcast. The podcast was an outstanding one, beginning with Rebecca's recollection of her year tr of training for the 1996 Olympics. What a wonderful experience it must have been to be college-aged and traveling the world for a year. It, it really wasn't, Rebecca, right, in your, in your memory? <laughs> it was in no, hindsight, not even grueling. in hindsight. It was grueling. But, yes, I have great – I've been lots of places yes. and have good memories of that. Siberia in February was wonderful. What's better? Uh, Steve, even with the few foibles that Rebecca has, you're indeed a lucky man. Agreed, Dr. Siegel. That said, Rebecca, I did find it a bit difficult, difficult to believe that you didn't have a ginormous bottle of ibuprofen from Costco or the like at home when one of the children needed it. Meanwhile, Steve, in a small moan of weakness, another foible, was napping and thus unavailable, unavailable to fetch said ibuprofen from Marty, about whom we have not heard much lately at Stop and Shop. But in fairness, we were we were away on Cape Cod, so that's why we didn't have the ibuprofen. And even if we were home... Uh, we're not a big ibuprofen-consuming family, um, so probably any ibuprofen or acetaminophen we have is, um, is acetaminophen one of the other painkillers? I, I don't know the difference between ibuprofen, acetaminophen, which one is which, what is, what's but in Tylenol. In most likely, if, if we had bought a big container at some point, it's past this ex expiry date. Do they still make, do they still sell anison? I don't know what that a -N -A -C -I -N. is. A-N-A-C-I-N. You don't know what anison is? No. Anison. It used to be on TV commercial all the time. Anison. Like the 1970s. A-N-A-C-I-N. Am I losing my mind? I don't know. Anison. What was it? What is it? Anison. Aspirin with caffeine for fast relief is what it's... Aspirin it's, with caffeine? That, that's what the, the ad that comes it's up like first. It's like the monster of painkillers? They still sell it, right? Uh, yeah, the box looks familiar. Okay, well, there. So. Okay. I, I associate it with um, like instant coffee and other things that and and um, Gaines burgers and other things that you don't see TV commercials for anymore, but that used to be on all the time when I was a kid. I believe that Steve mentioned movie night and the redux of Space Jam that's now playing Space Jam: A New Legacy. Writes Doctor Siegel below. Please find the link to a Washington Post article about Jeff Bergman, a voice actor who had a chance meeting with Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc. Bugs Bunny, the great mm -hmm. voice of the Warner Brothers of the Looney Tunes, and has subsequently thrived and is the voice actor for Bugs Bunny in the 2021 film. Well, I will check that out. I don't know how uh, much Bugs Bunny's voice in 2021 re resembles Bugs Bunny's voice from 1941, but I hope it's almost identical. 
Space Jam, the new the new Space Jam, not getting. I would say not getting five star reviews, Rebecca. Oh, it's not. It's not. But 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 I'll the, still want to see it with the kids. Yeah. I don't think I saw the original Space Jam actually. I actually I have we never seen have the original. We should have a movie See the original and then the new one. Well, our, our son and I still have to work our ways through Rockies three through. Oh right. Through you can't take a break from that to watch. Well, Space Jam. I can only handle one franchise at a time. I think. Okay. A few months ago at our home, writes Dr. Siegel, we bought a new set of phones for the landline that we still use. A new set of phones for the landline that we still use. I We're trying to we get rid of our one this phone. Y- years ago in the podcast, I could not buy, first of all, I couldn't buy a landline. You could, I could only get, they only had cordless phones and everything came in sets. And they're you plastic, couldn't buy one. cheap. They're cheap plastic. You couldn't buy one. It had to be two. A lot of white noise on the handheld. you couldn't buy just like landlines. It had to right. be... Um, it had to be cordless. And the anyway. landline itself is fuzzy because I've plugged in my rotary dial phone to the landline and it, and it, it sounds Yeah, our landline's a mess. Fuzzy. Uh, as it is included with our cable service, the landline. I believe that's the same thing with us. We, we, uh, the newer model that replaced our older version of the same phones has Bluetooth connectivity. So just as Steve has several devices ringing at one time, so do we. When our daughter calls with her granddaughter via FaceTime most nights, Mrs. DGS's iPhone, Apple Watch, Macintosh computer, and the landline all ring. The landlines yes. all ring. I mean, it's like living in a, in a house full of clocks that all chime at the same time. Mm. Am I right, Rebecca? Yeah, but worse. There likely is a setting or two that could be tweaked, but who knows how to do that? Lastly, when I, <laughs> lastly, when I sometimes request for Siri to initiate a call for me, it's a bit funny when my phone and then my watch both answer sequentially. Don't ask Siri to, to make a phone call for you. I mean, what's... Does that save time? Because isn't making a phone call now simply touching one button to contact the person you're calling? Or maybe Dr. Maybe Dr. Siegel has to call people's numbers. Maybe he's doing while he's on his bicycle or driving or... Possibly. We had the pleasure of traveling recently to New Orleans to visit my son and his family, writes Dr. Siegel. For the second year in a row, I took the New Orleans granddaughter to La, Boul- to La Boulangerie. La, <laughs> La Boulangerie. A French bakery whose name translated is, I know this from my high school French, The Bakery. It's not terribly hard to pronounce, Rebecca, and has fine pastries. I wonder if they serve croissants. During our visit, we were at a public park with a two-and-a-half-year-old on the playground, and alas, a pack of young women came onto an open field of grass for an outdoor yoga class, dressed appropriately for same. What a conundrum for me as the class was in our sight line along with our nearby granddaughter. While in my profession, I've seen women in virtually all stages of dress, undress, and in between, in this scenario... Let me reassure all of the viewers that I immediately looked at my feet and said to Mrs. DGS, I can't look up or they'll think that I'm a stalker. We have to move. <laughs> Good for Dr. Siegel. Dr. Siegel can't, averted his eyes, but also had to remove himself from the premises. He, just, he just, averted just, his just, eyes. Just by from, existing, he felt. He, he felt, averted uh, his eyes from women's. This is an OB who, who is OB, also G-Y-N, an, an OB who, who is an OG. <laughs> our OG OBGYN. Averted his eyes from women doing yoga. <laughs> Just let that settle. I, I know. It's, in it's, for a it second. is interesting. Viewer Phil's list of strengths and foibles was spot on, and while the two of you gave me credit for bringing new life into the world while downplaying while downplaying in a very mes- mes- midwestern manner your own accomplishments, I respectfully submit that each of you have made tremendous accomplishments to the larger community by entertaining us via your work, including but not limited to basketball playing, color commentating, writing books and articles, and producing, along with Denny, a fine podcast. Well, thank you, Doctor Siegel. In closing this lengthy missive, I'll answer the question that you raised that must be on every viewer's mind. When does one start recording the nightly network news? Simply put, for me, it was in mid-2016, at the beginning of the current time period, which I 
think can best be named by the Yiddish word, the shenanigans. Uh, we don't cover politics here, but I think that just as we unfortunately have COVID-19, the pandemic, I also think we have the shenanigans going on as well. Until next week, I remain yours, uh, Gary. Well, Dr. Siegel, I thought you were going to say, at what age does one start recording the network news, nightly news? Um, I, I would guess that's at about age 80. But um, I did read recently, Rebecca, and I think I mentioned this to you, that cable news ratings have plummeted since um, since the, uh, what shall we say, the winding down of the shenanigans in, in 2021. Um, that's about all we have for uh, producer Denny Gallagher, for co-host Rebecca Lobo, who has just gotten on a conference call while I've been reading this viewer mail, and uh, for everybody else. Tom Dick Hari. Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, well, we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.